0: We were just listening to some Kabbalistic Kirtan that goes back to the 15th century Spain, the golden age of Spanish religious revelation. It was a time when the great sages of Judaism, the great saints of Christianity, the great recognizers of Allah of the Islamic tradition all came together and they had a unified understanding of the meaning of reality and the recognition of non-duality Advaita flourished and this of course was a great threat to the Catholic hierarchy and impelled them to install the Inquisition which put an end to this glimmer of a golden age and the end of Spain's greatness. Now, well, since then the non-dual vision had to disappear from Judaism as well and it only arose again in such movements in the 17th century in, in Russia and Poland of the Hasidim for whom again this ecstatic understanding of our oneness with God became a way of life but they too were attacked and there was a war for centuries oppressed by their own tradition much as Spinoza was excommunicated by the Jewish community in Amsterdam but the same thing happened in Catholicism Santa Teresa was attacked by the, the Inquisition John of the Cross was put in a dungeon for a year Osuna's writings were completely banned And yet, they flourished and have now become great sages of the church. And the Kabbalistic writings, many of the best of them, the deepest and most profound, uh, disappeared for centuries because they were under ban, like the work of Abraham Abulafia was not allowed to be published but it was handed out secretly bootleg copies to those who were open to the message much as the Samizdat literature during the Soviet Union would be handed out and has again in recent times emerged and there is now a renaissance of Kabbalah that attracts people of all traditions And the recognition of of non-duality is at its core. But non-duality, or our immersion in the silence of God, the emptiness, the luminosity, is a threat to the ego, not just to religious establishments. Which is why even those who come here to meditate resist it. One of the Hasidic rabbis was uh, asked by one of uh, his followers, why do they call cantors fools? Cantor is the one who sings the devotional music and." at the synagogue, and he said, well, you know, when one sings devotional music with true love for God, the vibrational frequency takes you to the very edge of the phenomenal plane, to what we would call the diaphanon, very close to the realm of God. And at any moment, one of the sound waves can act like a trampoline and heave the singer into the world of God, to Ain Sof, the endlessness. That's pretty foolish, isn't it? To take that risk. Another Hasidic rabbi had a famous uh, moment that was recorded. He was reading a passage of the Torah to the Hasidim and He came across a statement, when any man among you bring an offering to the Lord, and then he stopped and he asked him, what did that mean? That was not just a simple expression. And he said the meaning that the great sages have taught is that only when one brings one's entire being as an offering to the Lord, and has made that offering, does one become a man. Another great rabbi, uh, Rabunam, he was on his deathbed and meditating, his final Act, And his wife was next to him, crying uncontrollably. And finally he gets up from the deathbed, he sits up and he says, Will you please hold your peace, woman? I've been studying all my life and practicing how to die. In every meditation. And here's the moment, and you're going to interrupt me? Just be silent and meditate. Love God, give yourself to God. Your ego should die, along with this body. You he went back to meditate. They say achieve liberation. These stories are congruent with the same kind of stories you will hear among the Indian sages and the Buddhist sages and Those of every tradition that reaches the the true vision of non duality. Because nothing less is true spirituality, anything less is simply an imaginary toying. With religious prestige and the look of being holy and pious and playing a game. And so when we meditate, we are really practicing to die. And we have to take it with that seriousness. that we are offering our ego, our mind, our thoughts to God and letting them die in that void, that emptiness that is the divine presence until that presence fills our mind and thoughts have disappeared and the union of the mind of the individual and the mind of God become one. So let's not meditate with any lesser intention. We're not here to just relax or let go of stress or deal with our issues or put together our to-do list for tomorrow or whatever else you happen to do in meditation. (laughs) We're not here to get some extra sleep. (laughs) Take it seriously that we're here to realize the presence of god as the self the one self and that this presence has always been there it's not something to attain in some other dimension it's here but it's here in the dimension that is other to the physical plane that witnesses it that is the silent awareness that uses the instrument of the senses and the organism but is a formless, incorporeal, eternal presence that forgets itself in its own true nature the moment it enters into language. And so among the Buddhists, they say there are three phases to the path. There is the basis, the the path itself, and the fruit of the path. The basis is our recognition that we have always, eternally, everlastingly been the oneself. But having forgotten it and created linguistic sanskaras, tendencies of going off on narratives and losing ourselves in this world of illusion, we have to cut back that tree, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is what language is, until that has been cut down. And recognize the tree of life that emerges to our vision once silence has unclouded the consciousness from that presence. And it is in this realization that there is such awe and such a feeling of grace and the majesty of that power of the supernal light within that nothing could keep the mind from being totally absorbed by that power and the ego tendencies dissolve effortlessly, spontaneously. But the struggle is to keep letting go of the identification and addiction to language, thoughts, that keep us from the silence that is already there. But it is returning to that silence. The fruit of the effort is the return to the very basis of our being. There is nothing gained in the process only a remembrance of what has always been, and a loss of the suffering that entered into our lives because we had forgotten the very ground of our being. And because it's who we already are and we are not really becoming anything new or different, it is only a letting go that has to happen not a doing of anything and the letting go is not an act it's simply refraining from acting from thinking from considering that there is a self embedded in that flow of language and recognize that that I thought is an illusion and that the reality is the presence that witnesses The flow of words and images in the mind, but is never attached or entangled with it, except through its own false belief that it is limited to the terrain of those signifiers and its train to nowhere. And so because liberation is simply realization of the self that you are now, there is no effort required or possible. Simply being present without losing yourself in a tangle of words. And the energy of grace will be felt As soon as you turn your mind inward to attune to that presence that is yourself. This is the great work of every tradition, of every sage, of every path. And it is no path at all, it is simply recognition and that recognition is impelled and powered by love for your real authentic self the power to attain it is given by the self and it's only an illusion that there is any movement at all because the self is changeless immutable eternal so let us use this opportunity to recognize the eternal self Namaste